by Kaylee and Lindsay Flanagan. How are you guys doing? So good. good. So yeah. good. Very good. Awesome. You guys are no strangers to uh, being on some of the Stride media as you guys have done a uh, podcast episode with us before. And that's uh, been, been one of the hits. So thanks for taking time out of your uh, busy day, both of you, to Pretty to busy us. right now. Pretty busy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Kaylee, can you give us a brief introduction of who you are, uh, maybe what you do? And then uh, I'll ask the same of Lindsay just to give people a little bit more background about you. Yeah, I'm Kaylee Flanagan. Um, I'm an elite runner. I live in Boulder, Colorado, training, uh, work at Stride. So maybe you've emailed in at Support Stride and maybe like had a message back from Kaylee and that's me. So nice to meet you. Um, but yeah, so I've just been training and moved out here about two years ago. So went to the University of Washington for four years, graduated, and then yeah, I decided to move out to the mountains. Awesome. And then, uh, Lindsay, can you introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Lindsay Flanagan, and I am a professional marathon runner for ASICS, also living in Boulder, Colorado. Um, yeah, also went to the University of Washington, and I think I've been here now for about three years. Awesome. Super cool. Uh, so I'll give a little bit of an overview of what we're going to be talking about today. And then uh, we'll kind of have a guided discussion. If anybody's watching right now, you can absolutely drop your questions in the chat in the live stream, as well as uh, if you're watching on uh, Facebook, you can feel free to ask questions there. We will have a video copy of this available afterwards, as well as a audio copy. Um, Kaylee and Lindsay Flanagan, like they mentioned, they're both sisters, endurance runners training out of Boulder, Colorado. They both uh, ran for the University of Washington. What what what's the thing? Is it go dogs or U Dub? What's the cheer? Go dogs. Go dogs. Put your dog go dogs. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, Kaylee's a stride employee. Has logged a great series of road racing results over the last few years. She also is the uh, star behind our social media. That's just at about uh, fifteen thousand followers on Instagram. So feel free mm -hmm. to go follow there. Uh, Lindsay's a professional runner sponsored by ASIC. She recently ran the U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials. She ran uh, the Boston Marathon last year, placed ninth. And last year, she also ran the Chicago Marathon and placed seventh there. So uh, we're here to talk about how you should aim to peak during a few selected races with a year of extended base building uh, in that type of period. Uh, why this is a time to be aggressive in your goal setting and what kind of aggressive goals you guys are setting and the implications that this whole situation that we find ourselves in will have for years to come and how you're finding new routines to mm -hmm. grasp on. I guess the uh, the first official bit of news that this isn't necessarily on our uh, you know on our plan, but the Olympics were announced that they're actually postponed and they have a set date and that bumps back the uh, World Championships the next year as well. So that's something that's on your guys' radar and something that uh, we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. But the um, first kind of talking point that I want to address today is how to plan for a single peak. Uh, the, the guiding question we have here is with most of the important races condensed to the fall, how are you planning your training? Uh, we can talk about a couple different things like, are you aiming for a single peak? Are you aiming to run a bunch of races and just be kind of good at a larger time span of the year? Um, maybe, uh, Lindsay, why don't you start us off first with this kind of uh, guiding question, then Kaylee, um, you can give any uh, follow-up thoughts that you have. Yeah, I think we, like, we find ourselves in this kind of crazy time right now. I was actually supposed to be in Poland yesterday for the uh, the World Half Marathon Championships. So, you know, it's it's kind of been this really bizarre, just 
time of uncertainty, I uh, I ran the Olympic trials, and mm -hmm. then you know I was planning on just taking a really just short couple days off, and then you know trying to kind of keep the fitness for World Half, and then take a full break after that. But uh, so I took off Sunday, Monday. I ran uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I woke up Friday morning that week after the trials, and I had an email from. USATF and they just said, you know, the it's postponed until October. So in my head, I was like, all right, well, I'm not running the rest of the week. Well, it took <laughs> the rest of the week. Time to take time off. Yeah. Right. And, and then, you know, I think as you know, a professional or anybody can relate to this, you know, after you have a race that you're not really that happy with how it has gone, you know, the next thing is you start planning for your next race. So mm -hmm. for me, I was really excited about Poland because I was like, okay, I can put the trials behind me, kind of still carry this fitness over. So that was canceled. That was a bummer. So my next step was, okay, I'm going to run Cherry Blossom. It's an ASIC sponsored race. It would be, it's actually would have been this coming weekend. So, mm -hmm. you know, immediately I'm already planning for how I can like, you know, extend the fitness, kind of keep going. And then only to find out, you know, it was a couple days after that, that that race was canceled. So it was one of those things where all of a sudden I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm not going to plan any more races because right now I'm just going to keep getting disappointed as mm -hmm. this, you know, just keeps kind of happening. So I, you know, took my little break after the trials and right now, um, along with everybody else in the country, you know, I find myself in this situation where I'm probably realistically not going to be able to race until, I mean, we're looking at June or July, I think mm -hmm. right now. So I spoke with my own coach last week and we kind of were talking like, okay, how one, are you going to stay sane during this? Because like what you know is structure and you know, you know, workouts and you know, miles. So how are we going to kind of keep, keep you sane, but also keep you, you know, we don't want to overdo anything right now. And how are we going to plan for like, obviously what you just said, a really big fall, because we're looking at every single big race. I think right now is is September through November. Right. And so how are we going to kind of approach things? So, you know, right now, um, and it's something I'm doing with my own athletes I coach uh, through mm -hmm. Doyen is, you know, we're kind of taking a step back. We're kind of reducing the volume because a lot of people were planning on, you know, they started these marathon buildups in January and everyone was kind of planning on peaking and, in April. So still everyone's had been training quite a lot. And, you know, when you get this news in March that these races are postponed, um, you've had this huge body of work, you know, the long runs, the workouts. So right now what I'm doing and what my own athletes are doing is we're just kind of taking a step back, you know, cutting the volume by, you know, 20 to 40%, depending on the athlete. It's really not doing those crazy long runs anymore. And we've kind of transitioned from those workouts where we're really into pace and getting, you know, this really huge block of fitness where now we've kind of dialed things back and it's kind of back to those basic workouts that are more effort-based, fart legs, strides, hills. And, and that's something I'm doing uh, with my own trainer right now. I think I'm doing strides like every day just to kind of like, <laughs> interesting because my man, I got to like mix it up a little bit. Right. So, um, so I think right now it's important to, like I said, keep the structure for your sanity. Like I, I like the workouts. And when I talk to my athletes, it's funny. They tell me, they're like, we don't like the normal runs. We just wish we could do workouts every day. So I think right. it's good. You want to keep some of those workouts in. They don't have to be crazy intense, but just something to kind of keep that stimulus, keep your legs moving uh, while you're still kind of in this 
I guess we can call it really extended base phase (laughs) and kind of tailoring the workouts because now we know that there's going to be such a long amount of time until our next races. Maybe we don't need to work so much on the speed right now, but we can Mm -hmm. really focus on like those areas where maybe we're weaker earlier. We're heading into like a goal race, feeling like a little iffy, like, Oh, like this is kind of flaring up. I know I had like an Achilles injury last fall and Mm -hmm. that took me out for the whole fall. I was planning on using this spring season as just kind of like, rip the bandaid off, like get the legs going. Um, I knew I wasn't going to be at like my peak fitness, but I was just going to kind of race to fitness and um, each race I was going to go in, which isn't always the easiest for us going Mm -hmm. in with the mentality that you're going to go just to like build more, um, just like build more in the legs, build more aerobically. Whereas like usually you want to go into a race feeling like, at your peak. And mm-hmm. so I was going to use kind of the spring as like that time where uh, I was just going to kind of go out, get the legs moving. But uh, I knew that my Achilles wasn't a hundred percent heading into the spring season. And I was getting kind of a little bummed because I was like, Oh, like races are coming up. I need to be ready. need to be fit. And um, I actually raced at the gate river, mm-hmm. which ended up being pretty much the last race that there was. It was. Uh, you got yeah. like the last one. <laughs> I think yeah. LA Marathon was yeah. the Marathon was the next. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, that was pretty much the last race. And I knew after that, you know, the Achilles wasn't a hundred percent there, but um I was gonna go in with the mentality like, you know what, I can just keep moving, keep moving. But I mean that made me take a step back and be like, okay, I really need to use this time to focus on those areas of weakness. Like Mm -hmm. Achilles isn't going to go anywhere. Like if I just keep going through it, it's going to keep flaring up. So I really have to use this time to like hone in on it, dial in on those specific areas that I can fix in the meantime. Um, But yeah, I think that was like the original plan just heading into the spring season. And obviously things have changed now with races changing Mm -hmm. and everything, but Mm -hmm. definitely just using this also as time, like Lindsay said, using this as more like a base phase. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, really focusing on form through strides or even hill repeats and just honestly getting a large chunk of just running in. Mm -hmm. So maybe not focusing as much on workouts, but just knowing like, I can run 75 miles back to back to back to back or mm-hmm. so on. So per, per week, not per day. Yeah. 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 Every day, <laughs> per day, at least 75. Yeah. yeah. I think we were talking about this a little yesterday is just kind of using this time also just to like do some things you typically mm-hmm. wouldn't do. Like I have gone on more trail runs <laughs> in the past two weeks than mm-hmm. I have probably ever done in my life. And like, mm-hmm. I know Evan, we have, we've trained together before. Like, sure. you know, I am not a trail runner. Like yeah. I love to run fast. I love pace. Mm-hmm. And when you're out on these trails, it's kind of refreshing because you just don't go by that at all. Like I, mm-hmm. I think it was two weeks, two Mondays ago. I went on like, for me was an epic trail run. <laughs> and if there were points where I, I was, I was walking mm-hmm. like, because I couldn't get up the hills. And I was like, this is so fun. Like, when mm-hmm. have I ever just like taken a step back, went out to the trails, like, you know, took a glorified walk essentially right. up this like rocky incline. And it's kind of just been refreshing. Like yesterday, we also went on a trail run mm-hmm. and it was so muddy mm-hmm. from the snow. And it was just, it was so fun. We're talking to the mountain bikers. We're yeah. like, how muddy is it? Like, am I going to make it up the hill? And I was like, who am I? Like, I never <laughs> do things like this. So I right. think, you know, I tell my own athletes this it's just like, kind of use this time to do things that like when you're in heavy training, you're not really going to have the chance to do. And, you know, I'm a little more paranoid when I'm in a heavy training about getting hurt. I don't want to fall like down yeah. the trails. Whereas, Right now, it's it's a little more lenient. It's okay. So I think we're using this time to also just 
kind of have fun with running. I think mm -hmm. when we're gearing up for these big races, you know, I know I get, you know, I stress about like the little things. I'm really into workouts. I'm, I constantly are worried about how I'm going to feel the next day, but now it's like, okay, if I want to go do some strength circuit, that's going to make me really sore. That's okay. Because tomorrow, like I don't really have to hammer. I don't have anything I need to be ready for. So, yeah. and also just taking kind of a break from the track, like getting on the track, going to the track and doing workouts. It's going to be brutally honest. Like you can go out there, peak fitness, not peak fitness. Like the track doesn't lie. Never. So, lies. Never. Um, I think at this time, kind of like taking a step back from even going to the track or, I mean, if you do want to keep doing track workouts, more power to you, but also mm. just focusing like Lindsay said, more on like fart like efforts or even just yeah heading to the trails because those in general are so going to just be like strong base running mm -hmm. um i mean you're gonna get like ankle mobility by like going over rocky terrain and like right. really focusing on other weaknesses too so i think if you can kind of transition off the roads and be fine on the trails like that's going to kind of be beneficial for us heading into the fall season so, yeah, awesome. Yeah. I want to, we, we have a, a listener question already, but before I ask this, I want to um, follow up on something that Lindsay, you said. So you said you were going to run the world half marathon championships in Poland. Mm -hmm. um, people might not be aware that there is such a thing. Can you tell us how you qualified for that and what, what that is? Yeah, so it was going to be yesterday in mm -hmm. uh, Poland and how it kind of worked was uh, the qualifying window for USATF was uh, from September 2019 through, uh, I want to say it was February 1st of this year. Mm -hmm. So they just did descending order, uh, top five fastest times. Um, I ran 69.37 in Houston, which put me in that uh, top five. So I was mm -hmm. set to go. And uh, for me, I think anytime you have the chance to represent your country, that's just mm -hmm. such an amazing experience. So I knew that, you know, from the trials to world half that was going to be you know that's a quick pretty quick turnaround it's only mm -hmm. four weeks and it's something mm -hmm. i hadn't done before but i was really looking forward to it and you know it's something that they have i think i want to say now it's october i want to mm -hmm. say 16th or 17th um right. yeah. along with mm -hmm. every race right. like <laughs> it's right around that Jam time that. um so it's one of those things where i again i'm kind of just taking it well, day by day, week by week. And, you know, it's something I still do want to run in right. October, but it will just now, you know, with all the marathons now, we've got all of the the world majors right in that bubble. It'll be right. kind of trying to figure out when, if I can do it and, you know, kind of plan from there. Right. And it's nice because she would have been ready in four weeks, but I mean, post trials, like if any marathoners are out there, like, you know, you need to recover hard mm -hmm. from that. And so I think you would have totally been ready four weeks mm -hmm. later, but also, now that you have this time where you can actually fully recover from the marathon was huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just building back into like the fall and even making that as a goal race for the fall. Mm -hmm. And Kaylee, I want to ask you a follow up about what you were talking about of uh, you said your Achilles had kind of been like a, a little angry and you ran the uh, you said Gate River, but it's the U.S. 15 kilometer championship. So you ran yeah. a 15K championship race. Mm -hmm. um, how would you maybe suggest to people uh, who are maybe in the same boat of somebody that, you know, had kind of been towing the line, they were kind of borderline right on having, uh, you know, their legs maybe get a little cranky with them. What's some of the mentality that you're using going forward and reassessing this kind of period that you can um, maybe take advantage of not having to have a deadline of, oh, you have to race, yeah. you have to do these hard efforts? Yeah, so I think, um, 
after the injury in the winter and the fall of last year, and then heading into winter this year and kind of heading into the spring season, um, I put a lot of pressure on myself just I, to be back, to be ready. Um, I knew that the injury had cost me a lot in the fall and I was okay. Like, this is my year. I'm going to make it happen. And I think just that added pressure also like heading to the line, knowing you're not at your peak fitness can be really tough and challenging to deal with. But now that I have this extensive amount of time, I can just like find the joy of running again, because I think I lost that a lot when I was injured and I was on the bike, I was on the elliptical, I was in the pool, like cross training isn't fun. I mean, we all know that like we're all runners. We all want to be running like no one. We're not training to be like a, I'm not training to be a swimmer right now. But right. Um, so I think I'm just using this time, honestly, to find that passion again. And it's mm -hmm. been really fun to just like change things up. Like, like we said, with the trails or just going on like different routes that we wouldn't normally go on. Um, and also just using this time to, um, like I said earlier, focus on how I can actually heal the Achilles. So mm -hmm. it's been healed, uh, been running, but obviously a lot of strength still goes into that. So definitely like working with PTs from afar. Um, due to the situation, mm -hmm. but trying to figure out how to get back to my most potential or um, kind of just keep building through that. Awesome. Yeah, I, think, I think anyone that's dealing with any sort of like injury or pain, and I know I'm doing this with my own athletes is, you know, we love to race. So we're always like trying to manage these little, you know, injuries while still doing workouts and maintaining our, you know, big volume. But now th this is the time it's great. Like, you don't have to be doing workouts. You don't have to be crushing. So I think taking this time and just getting yourself really healthy so you can crush in the fall is is great. Kind of what you're yeah. doing right now. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I want to touch on a couple of the uh, questions that we have so far. And I just want to remind people that if you do have any questions, feel free to drop them in the uh, chat on the on the YouTube live stream. Um, Natalie Dorsett says it's a two part question, uh, but kind of the same thing. So she says, so not back to complete base building. And this was referring to uh, kind of what you guys are both talking about of how you transition, what your focus was. And then she also says, is it fair to say you're doing base training with strength running workouts thrown into the mix? That is, mm -hmm. that is spot yes, on what that I is exactly. we're doing. Like, yeah. I think last week was kind of like my first set of my first workout since the mm -hmm. trials. And it was like, you know, those five minute efforts with like a little float in the mm -hmm. middle. So you're, you want to keep, you know, we know what we know is working out. We love workouts. So yes. keeping those workouts in there, but don't feel the pressure to be, you know, get on the track, crush the 400 meter repeats at like half marathon, 10 K mm -hmm. that you just don't need to do that right now. Because realistically, you know, I've done this before where, you know, I've tried to hold on to a peak for a really long time and mm -hmm. crushed for like eight months straight. And I'm so tired yeah. by the time like that goal race comes sometimes because I've just overdone it. So this is kind of a perfect time to just mentally, physically reset and, you know, use this time keep getting stronger, but then mm -hmm. hold off for those, you know, race specific workouts until, you know, if you're running a Boston, we're looking at more starting that buildup, you know, July or right. noon. And I think totally. also just recognizing that if you are a marathon trainer, your long run is going to be, it's going to be a long run. So mm -hmm. you, don't need, you don't need to quite hit those extremely long runs. You don't need to hit that fatigue right now. Um, mm -hmm. You can still run a long run, but maybe like, don't don't max out at the long run or uh, just really, what did we say earlier? Like 30%? Yeah, scaling it back. Like, I mean, yeah. in a lot, in a marathon buildup, 
I, I'm typically doing 20, 22 miles every week. I think yesterday we did, it was my longest run since the trials. I think it was 15. It was 15. 15. <laughs> and so. I think now, even I looked at my training this week again, it's like a 14, 15 mile run. Mm -hmm. so scaling it back, like, but still getting that stimulus. I mean, you're still out there for a hundred minutes. So right. still right. in the solid run. Awesome. Uh, I, I do want to touch on one point of the term base training gets thrown uh, around a lot and it means different things to different people. Mm -hmm. But uh, for you guys being on the elite side of the sport where you have to be at your absolute fastest and you're still aiming for PRs every, ideally every time you go out there, mm -hmm. um, what does base training mean to you? Because it's not just easy, slow running at a very low volume. Mm -hmm. It is a specific type of structure, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, for me, it's it's all about like building the foundation for what I'm going to do later in the fall. So, you know, someone that is running Boston or really any marathon, you know, it does. It comes down to strength and mm -hmm. it comes down to how long can you push without your body breaking down. So for me, the base is about about building strength. Like I'm not looking to. Yeah, I, I still want to keep the strides and I want to keep my turnover you know, there, but base for me is about building strength and not speed. So mm -hmm. for me, strength comes from, you know, tempos and fart legs and different things like that, hitting the trails, getting on like, you know, the hilly terrain. I've even recognized, you know, I'm way sore today mm -hmm. doing that 15 mile run on the trail than I ever am when I go and do that, you know, the 22 mile like pace right. run. So right. for me, base is all about building the strength and the foundation just so I can handle the miles and that, you know, big workload uh, come July when I am gearing up for my marathon. And I think it's right. also that like consistency week after week, just like having a consistent month after month training. So uh, maybe it is just like building miles for about like three months, but also mm -hmm. like incorporating some workouts, some hills, some strides. Right. Um, but yeah, I would say like consistency is the key to base training. And you can even see that uh, between just across years like when you look back at your past training and you're like oh like last fall this is what I was doing but that all sets you up for uh, your races to come so like next fall we're already focusing like how can we use this fall to go into next fall and right fall and so forth so right. it's always building on top of what you've done yeah. before so I guess all of running is just a big like big base right I want to uh, ask a question here from Tito and this is something you guys touched on, but I want to talk about this in terms of percentages. Uh, so Lindsay, you, you coach people, so you've probably um, been giving this advice out to athletes that you coach is, yes. what is a healthy volume per week to target during a marathon training pause like this one? And he says, thanks for all the insights. So um, you mentioned like a type of percentage and stuff, but what's a healthy volume per week for somebody to still be training for a future marathon, but maybe that training's put on pause for right now. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the athletes I coach uh, run probably five or six days a week, and we're looking at, you know, a lot of people are in that 50 to 60 mile range. Mm -hmm. So right now we've kind of reduced, I'd say, we're at probably, if you're if they were running 60 before, they're more in that 40, 45 miles. Mm -hmm. um, and they're, you know, like, man, I feel really fresh. Like, I just want to race so bad right now. And it's funny because you look and you're like, well, you only cut back 15 miles, but that is still significant where, yeah. you know, I've had some people that just because they can, they, you know, naturally just do this progressive long run. I had an athlete like just he ended at, you know, half marathon or 10K pace for his mm -hmm. like 10 mile long run. He's like, I just feel so 
fresh. So that's kind of what we want. We want mm -hmm. you to reduce the volume, feel fresh. But, you know, in reality, 45 is still a really solid amount mm -hmm. of miles if your max is 60. So I'm not sure. I don't know if you know how much is that like a 20% decrease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think um, don't stress about, oh, my gosh, I need to reduce by this much, but more like recognize I need to back off, but you can still kind of keep, you know. Yeah. And I think she had even said that um, some of her athletes were running like six days a week, but then she like normally heading into a big race, but now like there isn't any races for a while. So maybe like cutting it down to only five days a week. Mm -hmm. So it was like taking out a day or adding in more cross training. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And this next question uh, from Rosa actually is completely great talking about cross training is running in place in a pool a good workout for a runner so maybe somebody considers themselves a runner and not a swimmer and they feel yeah. like they're floundering all over the place when they try and swim what do you guys think about pool running and maybe do you have any advice about that yeah, yeah. so i would say i used um i'd used aqua jogging a ton when i was coming back from injury it's mm -hmm. been really helpful just no impact at all and really it just makes the legs feel better so if you have like a really tough bike session in the morning head in the pool afterwards you can kind of just like flush out the flush out the legs a little um i recommend using the belt mm -hmm. i if i don't use the belt i'm pretty much just kind of flailing in the water so um yeah i would say the belt is a huge a huge one if you have access to it if you don't have access to it that's totally fine it's mm -hmm. all about just like getting up the heart rate so if you feel like oh my heart rate's getting up then you're perfect like that's exactly what you want so mm -hmm. if blue running's nice because i mean i've used it when I've got an injury, I mean, there was like, you know, a two month span where all I was was in the pool. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can you can replicate some pretty hard workouts yeah. in the water, you know, just like something so simple that you can do just like a minute on minute off. Mm -hmm. Like and it, it, the time goes by super fast. If you do 10 times a minute on and off with a little baby warm up and cool down oh, in there. Yeah. I mean, you're already looking at a 45 minute workout. So, yeah, yeah I'm even like when I'm healthy, I'm in the pool at least once a week. Awesome. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's variety to the training. And right now people's rec centers or pools are probably not open, but it might be yeah. something that people would, would consider if, uh, you know, their resources around them uh, open up a little bit. Um, one more listener question before we go to the uh, next subject we're going to talk about, uh, how to mix strength workouts and hill workouts. If I didn't have hill workouts before, and I do two strength workouts per week, now I want to add hill workouts. How should I adjust the strength work? And this is from uh, our friend Kun Lee. Yeah, I think the easiest way to kind of start incorporating hill, something that's not over the top, is start with 8 to 10 by 15-second hill sprints. Like, mm -hmm. And then you just walk back down the hill for recovery. And this is something that is going to build power and speed. And it's something that... I, you can do hill sprints, you know, even the day before you go and do a tempo run because it's mm -hmm. just a quick, explosive kind of uh, mini workout, I call it. So mm -hmm. I think if I, you were going to start, maybe, you know, say you're doing like a, a tempo or a hard workout on Tuesday, you've got like a medium or, you know, another run Wednesday, Thursday, maybe you do your easy run and you end with six times 10 or 15 seconds sprints up the hill. Um, and it's just something like explosive power and you can still maintain those, those two strength workouts a week. And then eventually kind of transition to maybe you keep your, your fart like tempo one day, but then the next, maybe your Friday session now becomes, you know, 
maybe three sets of 45 second held, 30 second held, 20 second held. So just mm -hmm. like kind of little things, just gradually kind of incorporating the hills. You don't need to go for 10 by three minutes up a hill right now. That's a little extreme, but just those quick explosive ones are, are good for right now. Awesome. Uh, Kaylee, did you have any input on incorporating hills? Yeah, I mean, I would say exactly pretty much what Lindsay said. Um, I think, or the hills. long runs over hills. I mm -hmm. think anytime you can just get in a solid amount of time, not focusing on pace or power or anything and just going over the hills um, and just really working on like those strength runs mm -hmm. right now, at least during the base phase. And even like we incorporate these in like heading into a big race. Mm -hmm. um, I usually always have like a Wednesday medium length run. Mm -hmm. And that's always focusing more on like the strength aspect. So mm -hmm. not really like focusing on anything else besides just like powering over the hills. So right. yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if you don't want to go do hill repeats, just doing a a long run over hills. Like yesterday, it was funny. We like looked at the elevation gain after we were like, man, like I gained like 900 feet, which like for context is less, more than you would gain all of the Boston Marathon. And so yeah. you're like, oh, wow, I didn't even realize this. And right. that's a great way to just do it. Like, you know, the hill strength without having to do hill repeats. Awesome. Yeah, no, super good advice. Uh, I want to move on to a, uh, you know, slight, like a, a slight tangent of how to modify a training schedule in a practical way. So let's say somebody's goal race, uh, Lindsay, like you mentioned, uh, was gonna be in April. So like, let's say somebody's running a marathon in the middle of April and now all of a sudden it's been shifted to September or October because it's been postponed. Mm -hmm. What would be a practical way to extend the training block in a um, easy to manage month by month breakdown? So maybe give me what March and April look like, what May and June look like, July and mm -hmm. August, and then September, October. Yeah. So what I've done myself and my athletes is we've all taken like a, we called it like a mini recovery break where it was two weeks of, again, if you're running six days a week, we were maybe running four or five and we really slept mm -hmm. volume. So I think we kind of, this was a very recent development. I want to say in the last two weeks, we found mm -hmm. out all these races we're postponed. So for April, we're just going to be working on, you know, keeping, you know, the volume there, not the highest, keeping like, you know, those strength workouts in, and then kind of doing that in May too. April and May are going to be a lot of just about the consistent, the volume, still mixing it up with a few workouts. And then, you know, we get into June. And if you're running a Boston, you're looking at junior. June, July, August, September, you're, you're looking at that's when the, the, the marathon buildup is going to start again. So, you know, you have this huge, you know, base that you've put in because you've been training since January because you thought you were going to race. So mm -hmm. now that's when we're going to shift back over to, you know, the, we do a lot of, you know, race specific paces. So it's going to mm -hmm. be a lot of getting back into that. You can finally start bringing the long runs back up again, because you can't be doing these 20 mile runs all of, you know, April and May, no. because you're just going to be so that's tired. Not sustainable. So yeah. that's when you can start getting back into the, the bigger volume. And even myself, you know, if I'm targeting a September marathon, you know, J June is when I'm going to start getting in like the big bulk of work again. Right. Awesome. And then, uh, Kaylee, what would you say? Maybe uh, you're not going to run a marathon. Let's say you're prepping for a half. Does the preparation look the same way or what would the training schedule maybe adjust in that way? Yeah, so I think that the preparation is pretty much just very similar. If you're going to run the half, the full. Um, I think also there's been a lot of talk like virtual races, which I think mm -hmm. are really fun right now because 
Um, say it's really hard to get out there and put yourself to the test, but joining just like these virtual runs. And I mean, if you're going to run a half, you need to have that speed too and that turnover. So maybe hopping in like a virtual 5K. I mean, we're not really sure what the exact um, like race schedule is going to look like come May and June. Like hopefully we're hoping by June it will be um, maybe some races will start popping up. And if that does become possible, definitely hopping in like a 5K then will be a great way just to like check the fitness, get that speed back in the legs before doing like 10Ks throughout the summer and then a half in the in the fall. Yeah, awesome. I think, yeah, like how I said, you're going to start your build up those more strength building workups in uh, June. If you're going to gear up for a half, like that's the time you want to start getting in those fast, like mm -hmm. fast repeats. You can start doing 10 K pace because mm -hmm. in reality, the faster you get, you know, the, the 10 K, the faster that half's going to be. So I think if you're gearing up for a half in the fall, you want to start like that, the solid speed work again in, in June. Yeah. Right. There's no reason to get two after the speed right now. So we got time. Uh, we got some time. <laughs> got a little bit of time. Um, what about topic number two we have here is more aggressive goal setting. And I find this super interesting because if people were relegated to the mindset of they had to start training in January for an April or May race, now all of a sudden they have months more of real estate to actually gain fitness. And they could gain the same amount of fitness without having to try and cram it in and having a higher risk of injury. So um, they might be able to now reach a higher level of performance this fall than they would have thought possible because there's less of a risk of injury. There's more time to train, but there's less pressure, which might mentally help them. So um, I want to ask you guys about what you think about more aggressive goal setting and how somebody can practically take a goal that they had in the spring and adjust it to be slightly more aggressive for the fall. And aggressive doesn't mean like mean or bad. It means like like just a higher level of performance. Yeah. I mean, I think like I talk about this with my own athletes. If a lot of them were looking to maybe Boston qualify this April, they simply just wanted to qualify, but you know, that's just, you extend what they've done now. You know, mm -hmm. if you're looking at not running this marathon now till September, they can run more miles, get in more workouts. They have this huge, you know, just like we said, the base mm -hmm. that now maybe come September or the next marathon, it's not, it's not just hitting their Boston qualifying mark. It's I want to, you know, beat that Boston qualifying mark by like, you know, five to seven minutes. And I think that that's, that's very realistic. You know, if you have just had this huge block of uninterrupted training, you've run more than you've ever run, your workouts are, you know, naturally just going to get faster because you're going to be stronger. I think that we are going to see a lot of these, you know, people are going to blow their expectations away because you've had so much time to prepare that. Yeah. Now the goal isn't just to Boston qualify. It's, it's, you know, to make sure you're actually, cause now we're seeing you have to run faster to just even get into right. Boston. Like yeah. we're going to see people, you know, running, you know, seven, eight minutes faster than, you know, their Boston qualifying mark that they were planning on doing this spring. So, and this is something even in my own, my own running, you know, I'm looking at, okay, if I have like this huge, you know, just, amount of time to get really strong like that in my mind I'm already thinking okay maybe the PRs that you know I was hoping for I'm going to run even faster than that mm -hmm. or I think we're also going to see because like we said there's so many races now um, from September to probably December that we're going to see people doing things that we wouldn't typically see like maybe people will be running even a lot of my own athletes were planning on doing 
uh, Boston and they were going to run Chicago in the fall because they were mm -hmm. grandfathered in. So we're going to see a lot of people now running two marathons in six weeks and kind of just, I think it's cool because we're going to be seeing some things we never, that's yeah. so rare to see that. And so right. now we're going to see people running a marathon, maybe two weeks later, they're going to run a half, you know, two marathons in, in two months. Mm -hmm. I think that it's, it's cool because we're going to kind of see, um, kind of see that the body's capable of a lot more than maybe we put limits on when we're on this, you know, structured plan typically. So mm -hmm. I think it's, the fall's going to be crazy. I was, I was talking to my agent and I think one, I can't remember what weekend it is, but there's like 10 yeah. gold label races on the exact <laughs> day. Like, wow. And that's just something you're never going to see. So I think people are also going to be just like kind of finally let loose that mm -hmm. we're going to see some huge performances and just huge yeah. PRs that, mm -hmm just by the sheer just excitement to finally get to race again. Right. Yeah, I would say the same, just like the excitement of getting back out there. I mean, even if you're coming back from an injury now and you thought like your entire spring summer was going to be over, well, now you can just use this time again to like get yourself back into fitness and come fall. Like I think those huge PRs are going to come. And I think we're going to, like Lindsay said, see things that we've never seen before. Mm -hmm. uh, just, uh, like I think records will be broken because we're all just so excited to get back out there and show all this fitness that we've been gaining in this time off and kind of just showing like, no, I've been working hard like this is what I've been working towards and now that we have maybe maybe we have a little bit more time now just to um, we're not really traveling anywhere so just mm -hmm. kind of like, can't, can't <laughs> anywhere. so maybe we're recovering a little bit more I mean after your runs like sitting down on your couch and busting out your work for the day so mm -hmm. I think also just like there's going to be some really exciting things come the fall Awesome. Yeah, I want to uh, branch off of, uh, you know, that topic slightly and ask you guys about your own specific goals. So first, can you start off by, uh, Kaylee, if you would like to go first, telling us what your personal records are at uh, different distances. So I know you're uh, aiming for the longer stuff now, but you had a good, you know, history in college and stuff. Uh, and then, Lindsay, if you can answer the same question, just what your current personal records are, and then we'll talk about your own aggressive goal setting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So on the track in college in the 10K, um, ran 3343. And I knew that um, the 5K I liked, but the 10K was really just where my passion was. Um, kind of just like the longer, but the faster. Uh, mm -hmm. Really like the endurance. So this last fall, I decided, you know what, like, why not just go for a half? So mm -hmm. I really like the distance of the half because the full, it's a, it's a big commitment, but the half, like, I think I still have the speed there to get it done and get done properly. So right. the first half was really exciting. It was my hometown mm -hmm. um, in Chicago, Illinois. It was the rock and roll half. I suggest everyone do it. It's very fun. Um, hometown. But yeah, I got to win there. And honestly, that was super exciting, regardless of like the time and everything, just getting the first run out there for that and then hoping like the, looking forward to this fall I hope mm -hmm. to do like some more halves and 10ks mm -hmm. um, but definitely like I don't know if I'm quite ready for the marathon this fall just coming mm -hmm. back from injury last year but definitely want to work on on the half and you you won your first half marathon too in your hometown I did, I did. so I <laughs> it was the hometown, uh, the hometown energy that hometown really excitement. got me through it so right and then, uh, Lindsay, you're a professional runner sponsored by ASICS. Can you tell us uh, your PRs? Yeah. So I, um, my half marathon PR is from uh, Houston just this past January. That was 69.37. And um, last year at Chicago Marathon, I ran 228.08, I want to say. And it's been a long time since I've run a 10K, but I will 
think my track 10K from five years ago is 32.22. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, you know, I was really looking forward to the summer to getting faster. And, you know, I think that it was, you know, my half PR in January was totally unexpected. I PR'd by, by three minutes mm -hmm. while in the middle of marathon training. So I think a big goal I had was, okay, and I still do is, you know, I know I can run faster than I did that day. And I think also now that I've seen I can, you know, run that fast and a half, you know, that just my expectations for what I can do in the marathon now are, you know, they're, they're changed. And, you know, last year when I ran Chicago, I felt I was ready to run 226 and it didn't happen on the day, but the goal hasn't changed. The goal mm -hmm. is still to run that. But like you were saying, like we're kind of tweaking our goals and making them more aggressive where, you know, I'm talking to my coach and he's saying, I don't see why you can't run, you know, 225. Like that's totally realistic. Mm -hmm. So I think looking at my fall now, I'm not sure, you know, which marathon I'm going to choose, but, you know, I want to run fast. And, you know, last year I was, seventh in Chicago, ninth in Boston. And, you know, having the top 10 finishes at the world major was super exciting. So, mm -hmm. you know, no matter where I go this fall, I want to be, you know, again, more aggressive and I want to place higher than I, I did last year. So yeah. I think time and performance, just goals in general right now. Awesome. Um, I'm, I'm curious, and I know people listening probably are as well. So um, from the elite side of the sport, you don't necessarily have to enter the lottery for a race and just, uh, you know, cross your fingers and hope because you've run the qualifying time. Yeah. Uh, you guys get invited and you reach out to these races and you pretty much have your pick um, of what race will just fit in your schedule and what maybe plays to your abilities as well. So um, mm -hmm. maybe Lindsay, if you can talk first about how would a professional marathoner, what, what are all those aspects of considering a race to do? Because you have an agent, you have a coach, then you have all these other races that you could go to one of five races between September and November and be totally fine. But what does that kind of look like from the elite side? Yeah, I think right now, I mean, like I said, all of a sudden we have Boston and London that are now in, in the fall. That's just that never happens. So yeah. it is, it's a lot to think about right now. Even my, you know, it's only March, but I'm having a conversation with my agent last week. Like we got to start thinking about the fall. Like, what do you want to accomplish? Like, what are we looking at? And mm -hmm. I think you touched on this a little bit earlier. You said that now the world championships have now been pushed back to um, 2022, which, mm -hmm. you know, a big part of kind of what I was already playing on this fall is um, how our team is chosen is going to mm -hmm. be a sending order fastest times list. But now, you know, if you were looking at, I had to like crush a really fast time this fall. Now you technically don't until right. next year because that's when the qualifying is going to be. So that kind of changes, you know, my own and I'm sure a lot of people's mentality of where mm -hmm. they, they're going to go this fall and maybe what the what the plan is. And, you know, I, I love Boston. I had a great experience there last year and it's it's really tempting to want to go back there now too. And so I think, yeah, it's something I'm going to have to keep thinking about. Um, like I kind of said, I also, you know, the world half is still on the radar to try and do that. And I think a lot of people are going to try and do kind of more than one race. Like I even saw Des was already saying, you know, maybe I can run Boston and New York. So I think we're going to see a lot of people mm -hmm. maybe going for that earlier date, a, right. um, a Boston and then a Berlin and then maybe mm -hmm. try to do a New York later sure. on. So, yeah, so I think I have a lot to think about right now, which is exciting, but I also know that there's so uncertain right now. And every time I've been planning on a race, it kind of keeps getting pushed back. So I right. think taking it day by day and, um, kind of, yeah, I, I feel grateful to be in the position to, to have a lot to choose from. 
Yeah, I think the good thing right now is you don't have to have that set plan. Like things are changing, so mm -hmm. we need to just be mindful of that. And I mean, uh, we can always change our expectations and definitely working on how we can like change our mindset when things do change because right. we've been seeing that over the last few weeks. So totally. Um, I want to ask a couple uh, listener questions that trickled in, and then we'll go to the uh, third topic here. So this question. Um, that is actually maybe uh, kind of related to aggressive goal setting. Uh, if people don't normally do strength training and now they find themselves with a bunch of time to incorporate stuff because mm -hmm. the excuse is always, oh, I'm marathon is training. Right? I, have to, yeah. I have to focus on my long run. I can't be sore. Um, so for people who no longer have access to workout equipment due to gym closures, do you have any at-home strength training advice for runners during this situation? This is from Colby Maiman. Yeah. yeah, I would say, honestly, all you need is a yoga ball, some bands, and something heavy you can find in the area. Like, we've been using a big thing of laundry detergent. We were laundry detergent. Uh, I think I filled up the laundry basket with, like, a lot of items and was, like, laying that. So, honestly, just being creative and, like, mm -hmm. we can laugh at, like, the things we're doing in this time. But I would say, like, yeah, we definitely have bought just, like, a bunch of bands, and those are even really helpful. Mm -hmm. Just for hip exercises, you can do so much with those too. Like there's videos out there everywhere. So mm -hmm. um, what, do you, what do you mean by bands? Can you tell yeah. me more about that? So yeah, so I actually just went on Amazon and like just bought, I mean, all the workout equipment is dwindling. So get on it. But <laughs> right. I got, you can get like different kind of um, strength size, like resistance bands, mm -hmm. like that smaller, sometimes they're like the harder. So mm -hmm. really, you know, my last couple of marathons, I've been lifting heavier than I ever have. And so all of a sudden I was like, Oh no, I can't like go to the gym anymore. Like I'm going to get so weak. But so I bought these, you know, strength bands and I am so sore from what <laughs> I'm doing from these exercises compared to like, you know, me being in the gym doing like, you know, the squats. And so I think yeah. that just shows that it's, you can be really dynamic and versatile right now in your strength training. So mm -hmm. yeah, like get creative. Um, Molly Huddles had yes. these great, like mm -hmm. these Instagram videos of her doing some of her band work. And mm -hmm. I just gone on and kind of looked at what she's done. And I did some of the workout, like, you know, exercises. I'm really sore. And so <laughs> like, don't feel like you have to be in the gym with all these weights to get stronger because there's mm -hmm. so many different ways you can. And right. we bought one of the, I think it's like $20 to buy one of those, you know, big um like i think you're like the yoga balls yeah. and you can yeah. do you know core on those mm -hmm. and mountain climbers and just so many different things yeah. that yeah just be creative and, and get on amazon and just get a few little pieces <laughs> while, right. they're still while it's still in stock <laughs> while they're still there um follow-up question uh, that actually is really good to branch off that uh how many times a week would you spend on a focused core workout during this base training and this is from ravender dang yeah. So typically, you know, in a marathon or when you're training hard, you know, people, again, they don't like to be sore. And because, you know, you want to just focus on your legs. So mm -hmm. right now, if you could get in, you know, three, three days of solid mm -hmm. core work, like if that's, you know, using bands, using the yoga ball, using what you have, I think three, three days is great because the stronger you can get your core, you know, you're just going to be so much more efficient when you're running and mm -hmm. that's just going to set you up for, you know, even bigger PRs this fall. So if you have the time, which I think a lot of us do right now, if you can spend, even if it's only 10 minutes, three times a week, that is huge. And that's just going to be something that hopefully once this is over, you'll kind of already be in the habit and you'll just mm -hmm. keep doing it and just keep getting stronger. Yeah. This is a great time to like build those uh, good habits. Good habits. So, good habits. You can stretch strong now. Core. Yeah. Strong core, stretching, strength. Like mm -hmm. honestly, you 
this, like, you can just use this into the fall even. Awesome. Can you guys give me an example of one accomplishable thing that you would add in terms of like strength or core or like an exercise like this? So maybe to give uh, the people watching or listening one thing that they can add that they're maybe not doing right now. Yeah, so I really like the Russian twist with something semi-heavy. Mm. So if you have like, I don't know, laundry detergent or you do have like a five pound weight, right. uh, definitely I find that is like a super helpful mm -hmm. getting in those like three times 30. Um, I find that super beneficial. Awesome. Yeah. And for me, I think like, I mean, a lot of people probably aren't like, you know, doing squats every single week, but it's so good for, you know, mm -hmm. glutes, hamstrings. So even just body weight squats, mm -hmm. you know, three sets of 10 mm -hmm. and there you go. Boom. If you have a resistance band, you can kind of put around you to make mm -hmm. it harder. That's mm -hmm. great. But starting with these really simple exercises that we just kind of neglect when we're tired, right. um, it's going to be huge. So yeah, for me, it's yeah. Even the body weight squats are, uh, we've been doing a lot of at home yoga because mm -hmm. I just, I don't stretch anymore. I've totally just kind of like eliminated that from my routine <laughs> and which is, I guess not, probably not great, but mm -hmm. so we've been doing a lot more at home yoga and maybe, they're like these 15, 20 minute videos that are really not long at all. But again, it's just something like kind of breaks up the day and, you know, getting more flexible is always good. You know, mm -hmm. just more mobility. Yeah, yeah, just right. little things. Awesome. Uh, I have a couple uh, questions before we go to the third topic here. Uh, hi, Kaylee and Lindsay. Do you guys practice nutrition during training? If so, what nutrition products do you use? What's your favorite race day slash post-workout food? And this from Sakiko Minagawa. Yeah. So, um, right now we, we love garden of life. So mm -hmm. I think no matter what, if I'm training hard or, you know, even in this like base phase right now, I always finish a run with some sort of protein powder, some sort of smoothie. Um, it's getting warmer. So the smoothies are a big hit right yep. now. Right. Um, so that's, that's pretty big. And then when it comes to, you know, marathon fueling, that's huge. And I use um, Sword products, mm -hmm. and they have a great, great hydration drink. I use this in the trials. Um, I've used it in like the past three or four races, I marathons I've run, and you know, just sticking with something like that. The hydration is huge, and you know, everybody has something else, you know, a specific thing that they like. But for me, uh, Sword has been great, and I, I highly recommend everyone give it a try. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> and then, what about yourself, Kaylee? As somebody that's hasn't done a marathon yet, you still practice that. During yeah, so I still practice fueling. Um, not really right now, just because I'm not running as long. But I still think that when you're out there for 90 minutes or more, um, you're definitely you need to start just restoring that, um, getting up the carbs and everything. So I use some of Lindsay's sword, and I think it's great. There's a green apple one, tastes awesome. So I've even taken the <laughs> during runs. So right. definitely any way to help myself during a long run recover into the next week. So it's kind mm -hmm. of hard to go from like a hard Sunday long run into a Tuesday workout. So I find that if I fuel during the long run, I actually feel better on Tuesday and more recovered for that. So mm -hmm. um, really any way you can just actively start recovering earlier. Mm -hmm. And yeah, then this is the time too that people can kind of practice that nutrition mid run. Right. Like you don't, you know, for these like really intense workouts, you don't want to be out there with like a stomach ache, but just trying something new right now. I mean, try a different flavor of goo. Try the caramel macchiato. It's definitely pretty good. We'll work it up for a lot of the round. But just trying some funny like things now is right. again, just keep it interesting, yeah. keep it keep it fun. Yeah. Sure. And then favorite race day slash post workout food. 
Ooh, race day, definitely oatmeal. Yep, super bland, but oatmeal. Oh, no, uh, like post-race post food. Oh, yeah, post-race. Yeah, post oh, no, no, no. That is the time to treat yourself. Oh, I, I'm thinking to brunch. I love brunch. brunch. So if I can have French toast or pancakes, mm. it was like immediately that's after true. Houston half, I went out to brunch with my best friend. It was just a big thing of pancakes. And that's like, yeah. all I want is just some carbs and something delicious. And then later in the day, Nice. Definitely some ice cream or something. Ice cream. Yeah. Or if you have, I think right after the trials, we just went out for, it was kind of funny. It was just like German food, but it was like pretzels and beer, just like yeah. salty mm -hmm. and, and beer. And it was, it was perfect. It's a good self. Much better. <laughs> right. Awesome. Uh, one more question before we go to the third points. Uh, how do you recover after a hard effort? Uh, so besides pretzels and beer, uh, <laughs> I ran a solo marathon time trial in 327 on Sunday. Wow. It was the first one. I, I, it was their first one. How long would you rest as they still feel good? And it's from Agogo Odudu. So, I mean, like, kind of like how I was going to do after the trials, I was only going to take a couple days, but that's a really impressive marathon to do solo. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I would say, you know, kind of how I approached, I approach it is like, you want to feel good, you know, a couple months from now too. So still recognizing, I just ran this really great, amazing, hard effort. So taking at least, you know, two days off would be, yeah. would be most ideal, even if you're feeling good. And then really just the rest of the week active recovery where mm -hmm. maybe it's, maybe you're only going for just like easy walks or three mile jogs, like shake out, you know, that's really big. Um, getting in the Epsom salt bath, if you can, mm -hmm. just like, I know a lot of people can't go, actually no one really can go for massage right now because they're all closed. So yeah. anything you can kind of do to, to kind of help your body recover is, is really big, you know? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's maybe it's cycling instead. You know, we just bought a new elliptical elliptical tire. Just finding mm. different cross training to do in the meantime is mm. is good. Right, awesome. And then, uh, Kaylee, how would you say maybe uh, how you would specifically recover after a hard effort in training? So we can focus on racing and recovering from that. But I feel like we always have this built-in time around a race where you say, okay, I know I'm going to consciously recover. Uh, what about a hard workout? Like you mentioned, you do a Sunday long run, then you have to come mm -hmm. back and do a Tuesday workout. What does that kind of recovery look like? Yeah, so I think that the Monday run is crucial in, do in like doing that to the best of its ability, which means just taking it easy. So I think really making sure that on those easy runs, even if you're running, I don't know, 8.30 pace, but in the workouts you're running 5.45 pace, like just making sure that you're actively recovering and just, and even if you want to break those up into two runs. So say you had a really hard run on Sunday, you want to wake up in the morning, do like three miles just as like a flush, like flush out the legs. And then even later on in the afternoon, if you went for your double, uh, maybe you would find that your legs were ready to run maybe like a little bit quicker or get some mm -hmm. strides in towards the end, just to like really just get the body prepared for a Tuesday workout. Right. So making sure that you're, you're taking those hard runs, but then also using the easy runs to recover for the harder runs to come. Awesome. Great advice. Uh, we're going to go on to the third topic here. I want to encourage anybody that has other questions, put them in the chat now because uh, now's your last chance to ask questions. Um, topic number three is what is the future of running? What are the long-term effects that this current situation will have on the running world? Do you guys think pros or amateurs will race less often? Do you think virtual runs will get um, you know, more popular? Are you discovering new routines or techniques that will help you for the future? Maybe just talk about your guys' uh, general thoughts on the future of running. Yeah, yeah, so I think we were even talking on how awesome it is. Like you look out the window and you see 
everyone's out there being active. Like mm -hmm. I even know our family who's not really into running. Like they're no out there one. putting on the running shoes. They do not run. Like wow. after it. So I think that all these races come fall are going to be just completely sold out. I mm -hmm. think that people that weren't even really considered themselves runners in the past are now going to be like, oh, I put in all this work over the last few months. Like I want to, I want to give it a go. So mm -hmm. I think it's honestly a really exciting time just knowing that there are so many possibilities come fall season mm -hmm. and um, just knowing like the opportunities ahead. So, yeah. And I think, yeah, just, you know, no, like we kind of said, like no one can go to the gym right now. The thing mm -hmm. that everyone is doing is running. Yeah, and so right. we've kind of seen this like, Running is really addicting because you start, you know, you can start like you've never run before, but you're naturally just going to get better like the mm -hmm. more you run. So I think we're going to see just just this huge running boom. And mm -hmm. I've read about this a lot. We're just like all these people that never consider themselves runners. There are runners. Yeah. And yeah, I think we're going to see the races are going to be sold out. Mm -hmm. Like I just think we're going to see new races popping right. up and just like, you know, I think obviously it stinks right now and it's really hard to not have these these races, but long-term, I think this is going to be great for the running community. And, you know, I think people are going to be healthier and we're just going to see way more runners than ever before. And I think even with the pros, like, I think you're going to see records go down. I mm -hmm. think you're going to see like a new marathon, like world record. So I don't know. It's an exciting time just knowing mm -hmm. that we have all these bases and everyone's really excited for the first opportunity to come. Like people are going to mm -hmm. jump on it. So mm -hmm. and just not taking I think it's also opened our eyes to not taking things for to our like advantage, like not taking things for granted and mm -hmm. knowing that um, each race could be your last race for a while. So right. really just heading into every race, just being grateful you're on the starting line, um, putting your best effort forward. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's great advice. Uh, so we wrote three questions ahead of time that I want to ask and then remind people if you have any other questions, please drop them in the chat before we finish here. Uh, number one question is, what is your motivation during this time? How are you staying motivated and excited about training during this time period? Yeah, I think like at the end of the day, my big goal is always just in motivation for running is I want to see how good I can be. So mm -hmm. right now, like, you know, I'm going to use this time and, you know, I'm going to get stronger. And again, like my big goal and motivation doesn't change is I still want to see how good I can be and how good can I be now that I've had this, you know, extensive time to just better myself mentally and physically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think even looking in the past and seeing how like the success that other runners have had after big breaks of period or periods of time off have had, like, I mean, Des wins Boston after taking a break and like Shalane Flanagan wins New York city after an injury. So, mm -hmm. I mean, we all deal with little setbacks, but just seeing how we can use this as our motivation going into the fall or going into like next year racing. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, is this like anything you have encountered before? Does this situation remind you of any past scenarios where you have been in with extended layoffs, either you know summer training and high school and not having to be in school and do cross country practice or having an injury? Yeah, I think for me, it's it's I spent all of 2017 and half of 2018 just incredibly injured, mm -hmm. and I didn't race at all. And it was one of those things when I started racing again, yeah, I was, I was pretty rusty and it took a little bit to get back into it. But then I, you know, I was running times faster than I ever had before. So mm -hmm. maybe don't look at this as like a bad thing, but sometimes when we have, you know, this chunk of time where we don't race, it ends up actually being really beneficial for us, you know, down mm -hmm. the line. 
Yeah. yeah. And I would just would say this kind of reminds me of collegiate running. So you're mm-hmm. on a very strict schedule when it comes to collegiate racing. Um, and we honestly would take pretty much if you didn't make it to NCAAs in track season, uh, you would spend like May, June, July, August just running, just getting mm-hmm. mileage in. So this is kind of and like you would have your best races come um, like cross country season, yeah. like you need to be your best in November. So this is kind of a very similar timeline. Um, obviously very different timeline, but, uh, yeah, definitely. Like I can see like in the past, we still had success after taking like just months of just running. Right. And then, uh, last one here is connecting with the running community. Uh, so for Lindsay, uh, because you're a professional runner sponsored by ASICS and you also have people that you coach and, um, you know, you've run very, very fast, uh, very, very recently. Uh, since your racing opportunities are limited, how are you planning on staying in contact with your fans and supporters? And then um, I think this speaks for all runners. How are you guys just staying involved in the running community? Like you mentioned, looking at other people's Instagram stories and seeing the exercises they're doing um, or coming on a great webinar series, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and staying connected with people. Um, but what are your guys' general thoughts on staying connected with the running community when we can't run within six feet of each other, uh, but we can obviously still feel more connected at this time. Yeah, I think like even with my own athletes, like I talk to, you know, everybody's really busy and doesn't have the time to, you know, check in and chat with me. But last week I talked to, you know, more of them than I have in a really long time. And, you know, one of my athletes, I think by the time it was all said, we didn't even talk about running once. Like we just <laughs> talked about life. I think everyone's cooped up and, you know, mental health is huge. So Mm -hmm. I think just staying connected to, you know, my own athletes and realizing like we're people at the end of the day, also not just runners. So it's been really nice to just kind of, you know, take a step back and reconnect with them. We all have a lot more time than we ever have before. And just like checking in on each other as not just athletes, but, but people and just really seeing how we're all doing. Right. I mean, I would say, yeah, just like, staying socially connected to everyone so even though you have to be running alone like phone a friend facetime a friend like yeah anytime you can just like call someone doesn't even need to be about running just in general like Mm -hmm. keep the positivity and also we were talking about earlier just knowing that like these feelings are valid that Mm -hmm. you can be upset that a race was either canceled or your goal season doesn't look the same and we can recognize that this is like a challenging time for everyone and um, we shouldn't feel bad like about being upset, but also have compassion to people putting their lives on the line for us right now. Yeah. So I think it's easy, like also, you know, I was feeling a little down not being in Poland yesterday. And you do, you start to feel a little selfish. Like, how can I feel bad about my race being canceled when, you know, there's so many people out there that are sick and people like my brother is in the ER, like working like firsthand with these people. But I think, you know, you are still allowed to be, you know, disappointed because running mm-hmm. is a huge part of our life. So I think also like be easy on yourself, allow yourself to still feel all the feelings while still again, having compassion and, and understanding like the magnitude of all of this right now. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, we have one more piece of listener feedback and then we're going to wrap things up. Uh, this is from Paulo and he says, I've run more than a hundred kilometers in a trail race and many road runs of 10 K 15 K half marathon. But now sisters, you inspired me to train for my first road marathon. Good seasons. Greetings from Portugal. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
that's from Paula. Um, all right, cool. We just crossed the hour mark. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. But first, I want to ask you guys if people want to follow you and keep in touch with the Flanagans uh, over this course. And as we build into racing uh, season, where can people follow you and stay in touch? Yes, I'm on Instagram. I believe it's L Flanagan too, because there's yes. a lot of Lindsay Flanagans out there, <laughs> and uh, Twitter as well. So yeah, check it out. Stay connected. Uh, Love to kind of hear your feedback from this. And yeah, reach out if you guys have any questions. Awesome. Yeah, Instagram and uh, Twitter as well. And it's all at Kaflana. So. Nice. And then also running the stride Instagram. Uh, yes. so, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Kaylee and Lindsay, thank you so much uh, for coming for on. Us. Really appreciate it. Uh, we, wish you, we wish you the best of luck uh, training, racing, everything. And I'm uh, I'm sure we'll have you again on in the future, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because oh. you guys are rock stars on the Stride, uh, Stride social media network and stuff. So um, cool. I think that's it for today. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. This was Stride for the Love of Running Webinar Series. Uh, and we'll be back with another episode soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.